Hi, I'm Tiki Barber, co-founder of Thusio. Thanks for listening to the Thusio Live and Unfiltered podcast. We're bringing our past events back to life for you to enjoy. I love twins for obvious reasons, and especially the McCordy twins. Devin and Jason McCordy currently play for the New England Patriots, where they most recently won Super Bowl 53 in 2019 together. They joined Thusio in May of last year to discuss their epic Super Bowl run, but also reflected on being a twin in the NFL and their experience growing up without their father from the age of three. Enjoy the interview. Uh, everybody, we're going to have a great time tonight. And the great thing about working with Jason and Devin is you just have to pull the ripcord and let them go. So I'm going to largely do that. But my first question to you guys is, football-wise, just try and encapsulate for me in one sentence what it was like to win a Super Bowl together after 30 years on the planet? 31 years? What are we talking about? Don't age us. Don't age us. 29. 29. <laughs> He should probably answer that because he did a lot of losing. So it was <laughs> a blend of together and just winning. All know? right, outhouse to penthouse. How did that go? Well, one, losing Bill's character. Everybody can't be <laughs> drafted into a dynasty. But um, I, had to, I had to get mine through the mud. But um, my one word would be uh, roller coaster. Um, reasoning, uh, the season is like that. Um, even for myself personally, uh, I got here last year, uh, come in, uh, I'll get traded, get a chance to play with my brother. We're going throughout the preseason. I get hurt in the spring. Um, I'm playing in the fourth preseason game. Everybody's saying, is he going to make the team? Is he not going to make the team? I have a meeting with Bill. I got to take a pay cut to make the team. I'm on the team. I only play six plays in the first game of the season. And it's just like, damn, this ain't really what I signed up for. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and then on a team-wide standpoint, um, we lose two games early. Um, season not looking the way we want it. Then we go on a win streak, um, lose two games late in the season, and everything being written about the team is the Patriots dynasty's over. This team's not the team to win it. And then to go into the playoffs and be able to take off like that, win those games, and um, have that confetti fall in, uh, in Atlanta was a beautiful feeling. To dominate, to just dominate in the playoffs, to see the way... You guys went from, on December 15th and 22nd, I think those were the dates of the Miami and Pittsburgh games, to what you guys did to really three of the four best teams in football outside of you. Because Kansas City, the Chargers, and the Rams were certainly three of the four best teams. You can throw you know, the Saints in, in there if you, if you want to. Um, but it was unbelievable to turn the page that the way that you guys did. Did you pick us? That was my next nope. question, too. Nope, nope, nope. Who did you pick? Not coming in this year. Uh, I just wasn't you. <laughs> I'll tell you, the Chargers. Patriots insider. He picked the Chargers, then he picked, then he picked uh, Kansas City. I did then not. Then he picked no, the Rams. No, 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 no. Once the playoffs came around, I was all set. Okay. Uh, but for you, I mean, you have heard how many times since you came to this team in 2010, how many times have you seen the obituary written? A lot. Um, but it's fun. You know, I always think back to 14 because uh, that was the first time, you know, I, I personally climbed the hump. I know, um, obviously, previous championships all get linked to us as players, but we had nothing to do with, you know, the Rodney Harrisons, the Vrabels, the Willie McGinnises. Um, I mean, I guess Tom, like, is through all of that. Sure. Um, but once we got over that hump, but then you always remember when we went to Kansas City in 14, and I think they beat us 44-14, and people were like, bench Tom, 
play Jimmy. This team's over. They just need to build for the future. And for a lot of us, we had been to AFC Championship games. A couple of us had lost the Super Bowl in 2011. Um, so we were kind of like, damn, I thought we came here to win. This whole thing's over. And, that quick. <laughs> you know? Um, and then getting there and winning that Super Bowl in Arizona against the Seahawks, um, it, all, it made me realize no matter what time in my career, we always had a chance. Like, it didn't mean we were going to win the Super Bowl every year, but every year I felt like we, had, we would have a chance to be in that last game. Tell me something. I'm guessing that a lot of you folks are, are from this area, and if you're not from this area, you've probably by osmosis at least become Patriots fans to a degree. They've now won six. Which run was more impressive or exciting? The 1.0 version of this dynasty from 2001 through 2009 Put your hands up if you think that was. The next one. Or the next one. Or the 2010 through 2019. Because I think it's amazing. It's an embarrassment of riches because you look at the 14 Super Bowl, the 2016 Super Bowl, and the season that you guys had this year. It's unbelievable to think that the previous decade could even be topped. Yeah, I think it's very... I, I only care about the 2018 pages. <laughs> I could care less. Do you remember what happened in 04? I could care less about those other championships. I, I wasn't even rooting for them. It, it, is, very, it is very unique, I think, um, because I know if I was from this area, I would probably love the first one just because um, you hear years of, like, the Patriots losing, you don't win, and then you get this great run. Um, and I think, but after that, it's like, yeah, that's what, like, that's what we're supposed to do. Like, what's wrong with these guys not winning Super Bowls? Um, so I... Because, like, even for me, that first Super Bowl was so amazing. You know, like, other than the difference of him being here this past year, like, even that comeback was – it was great. It was, in 14. Yeah, yeah, the comeback in 16 was great. Okay, yeah. But it still wasn't better than 14 when it was like, dang, this is what this feels like, confetti. Fun. So um, I just think if I was just, like, a, a fan that lived here, um, I would think – I would probably look up to a lot of those other guys – um, because they were the first ones that probably showed me like Super Bowls were possible. Which was the best parade, Jason? <laughs> <laughs> Growing up in Nyack, they used to do a, um, a parade every year in Nyack, um, like a festival, like cool arts and stuff. So that was always um, a lot of fun. The parade this year just involved a lot more uh, alcohol bottles being thrown at you. So. <laughs> Just a tad bit different. Was this the best parade? Because we had 60-whatever degrees. It was, yeah, sunny. It was awesome. I mean, it was a, I it was a video. I did see video from the parade where it was like sleeting. You look like you had a blast. Oh, like, I always have a blast. Um, but it was a J-Mac effect. You know, all year was win a championship for J-Mac. I mean, the guy went 0-16 last year. Me and Danny Shelton both went 0-16. I wasn't the only Cleveland Brown on the roster. So. No one, ever, and, no one and, ever talks about Danny Shelton. Give, give Danny some credit. Um... I want to ask you, because there was talk, and Jason pointed this out rightly, that you know everybody's getting plenty of headlines, but suddenly on Monday night, we were at the Super Bowl, Dev's like, I don't know if I'm going to play next year oh, or not. I'm not good. sure. Going through a lot. I'm not I would have told you to take this off the sheet. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you contemplated retirement, and I know that, you know, look. He's old. Yes. We're at a point, you know, professionally where you guys have done a lot. But when you decided to come back, one of the things that, that Devin mentioned was, look, I have a platform here and there are things that I can do with my platform as a professional football player, as an all-pro, as a Pro Bowl player on a high-profile team. Um, why was that an important aspect 
of your return to football and the things that you can do going forward from this point? Uh, I just think, you know, I think one of the biggest things that happened in my life was just becoming a father. Um, and then you start to see some of the things that you want to do. Um, like, honestly, I don't think my kids will care much about the Super Bowl rings. Like, I just really don't think 20 years from now, they'll be like, oh, man, I love these things. They'll be like, yeah, daddy won those, I guess. Right. Um, but they won't, I th they won't even think you were good. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I heard Uncle Jay was better. Yeah. Um, but I think about the things we do outside of football, you know, the things that um, hopefully that we can continue, that they can get involved and they can be a part of the tackle sickle cell. Um, I guess I was about a month ago um, here at the state house uh, testifying to uh, advocate for an educational bill um, to try to get kids in, in poor income households and poor communities just better funding and resources. Um, like we heard stories about kids that go to school, they, they have a science teacher that comes in once a week. Like things like that, I just think about when we get involved and we do things like that, um, I think those are the things our kids will truly be proud of um, because as they grow, they'll understand like there was a certain level of athletic ability that God gave us that we just got. Like we didn't do much for that, we just got and that allowed us to play football. Um, obviously there's hard work in there, there's things that you have to do to maintain that. Um, but some of the things we decided to do in our free time, um, I think are the things that they'll probably be most proud of. This is Jay can't, Jay can't give answers like that. No, that was a good one. But, I mean, there's, there's a period in our lives where, you know, you, you mentally are in a take position. But you guys have very quickly pivoted in your 20s to a give position. And, and I think that's incredibly mature. I think that there, are, there are people in their 40s, 50s, 60s who never get to that given we're, position. We're not that good. We still got some. We got some no, you got some left over, I know. <laughs> Jeez, look at the suits. Um, but how do you pivot? I mean, what, what prompted you? I mean, you're, you grew up, these guys grew up in Nyack, New York. Um, their dad, Calvin um, McCourty, passed away when these guys were three. He was an Army veteran. Um, he went to work one day, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I'm basing this off of you know, conversations we've had, and also Ian O'Connor's excellent story in ESPN.com that he, that he wrote about uh, your mom, Phyllis Harrell. Um, their dad went to work and had an asthma attack and, and passed away, and, and Phyllis never got to the hospital to say goodbye um, to him. And him passing left their mom, Phyllis, with an older brother, Larry, and two three-year-old twins to take care of in Nyack, New York. And her stance and her commentary in, in Ian O'Connor's article was, we mourned and then we moved, we moved on. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how that shaped and formed what your mother did and, and maybe how even your dad still forms some of the sensibilities you have? Yeah, for sure. Um, my mom, the most amazing person both of us have ever met. Um, she just, she never complains. She sacrifices. And even to this day, like when we have conversations about it, it's just like, well, when you bring kids, kids into the world, your responsibility, who else is going to raise them? So she looks at what she did as just a simple, hey, I had kids. I'm a mom. I take care of them. I raise them. She tells us to this day, you don't owe me anything. And I think that kind of shaped us too. Um, growing up, you make it and you've always dreamed about making it pros and doing this and doing that. And now you get here and my mom always just challenged us, all right, what are you going to do with it? All right, you play football, what are you going to do outside of that? And I think that's kind of what always sparked that for us. And uh, as far as my father, the 
the positive about that is that we were so young that you don't remember a lot from when you're three years old. And the negative part about that is you have that void where you don't know much about your father. You don't really remember his voice. You don't remember any sayings that he said to you or how he tucked you in at night, whatever thing of that. And I think that always motivated me to want to become a father and have a family. So now, uh, married with three kids, I enjoy that and I, I don't take it for granted of just the relationship I'm able to have with my kids. And um, my two oldest are now six and three and each time a third birthday comes up for me, it's special and I think about it and I'm just like, my son Caden now is three and I'm just like, he doesn't remember what he ate for dinner yesterday, <laughs> let alone anything else that goes on in his life. So it just makes those moments more special. Is it because you guys are twins and went through that together? Do you ever, and I don't want to get too sentimental. I don't want to make it awkward, but do you guys ever lean on each other in terms of, you know, what would dad have thought to see this now? Because he was a hell of a high school basketball player. I know a tremendous athlete. Do you ever have those conversations? I mean, we, we not really, but we had it. Um, we're giving a commencement speak at, speech at Rutgers, and we did interviews, and they asked us that, and we both kind of were like, damn, that's a, that's, a, that's a good, deep question. And um, I think for both of us, it's kind of we live through what people tell us. You know, our aunt, um, the reason we started the Sickle Cell Campaign, mm -hmm. uh, who recently passed away, um, would always talk to us about our father, like, yeah, he did this, you know, People and then we would be out in the streets and people would see us and they're like, "Dang, you look like this guy cocky that we grew up with." That's what they called our cocky? father. Yeah, <laughs> uh, they said because of basketball and they'd be like, "Man, Dev, I remember." Dev got that from him too. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they'd be like, "I remember he used to have you guys walking around with a basketball." And so um, I, I like to think that he'd be super proud. Probably a little mad that we ended up good in football and not in basketball. But I think he would just be so proud of the athletic. Uh, accomplishments we've had, but obviously the stuff off the field, both of his parents had the sickle cell disease, so um, I think he'd probably be blown away by just that work. And you mentioned the sickle cell, Tackle Sickle Cell Foundation, just to reiterate one piece of business they asked me to please do, was that as we do the auction, silent auction, some of the featured items that include these guys, there are four passes to the McCordy Twins uh, charity, shut up. Charity Casino, Casino Night. Right. It's in Boston. It's on October 28th. Tom, Tom has yet to come. I've been inviting him for about four you or always, five years. You always have it on quick slants. He night. has a bedtime. We end up piping you in. Uh, Jason and Devin McCourty signed Patriots memorabilia package. Okay, they'll come to your house and sign. Uh, Patriots VIP training camp access package for four. Run a play on the defense with, with Bill Belichick. That's great. Uh, and first row tickets to a Boston Celtics game, front row in the 2019-2020 season. And you know what? Uh, we also have to do this uh, bit of business because they asked us to, to throw the cues in here. And you know what? I, I can't imagine what Cocky would have thought if he got to see this commercial. Okay, let's run this commercial. I'm going to filibuster until it's ready. You never know when I'm going to throw to you. You never know. It's coming up right here. They're going to throw this commercial up here in a second. But I want to talk Playing to you guys. Playing football can be really tough Damn. on your skin. To avoid guys. unnecessary roughness. We use Palmer's Cocoa Butter Formula Body and Face Lotion for men. It offers hard hitting protection. 
that locks in moisture and shuts down dryness. Polymers absorbs quickly, so interceptions don't slip through our hands. And it provides the ultimate defense against rough, dry skin, leaving it smooth with a fresh scent. New Palmer's Cocoa Butter Formula Body and Face Lotion for Men. Perfect formula. Extraordinary results. That was back in 2011. Yeah, those, that was. Those were young McCordy twins. And you guys have turned this we've, into we've, an empire. We've grown a lot since then. <laughs> Tell me this. How do you balance the life between being um, professional football players, which is your main account, and then also being a, a brand and being a com communal brand or being a, a corporation between yourselves? Keep wives that will humble you at any moment. Um, I think uh, beyond that is just finding enjoyment in everything you do. I was just talking to some of the guys around here earlier, and they're just like, how tired of this are you coming out smiling? I'm just like, but you find joy in it. You get to meet people that you normally wouldn't meet. You get a chance to see what another side of reality is. I mean, we've gotten a, uh, it's been a blessing to grow up and you play a sport and you get to continue to play a sport at this season. We'll both be 32. We get to play a game for a living. So I think you come around different people that had to go through college and maybe had different aspirations different dreams but now have settled into a career made a different path and you get to talk about things other than football and learn things about other people uh, that you normally wouldn't and you don't have to just listen to Bill standing up there um, cursing you out or whatever it is how much has Bill changed even since 2010 in allowing you guys the latitude to you know be yourselves and put yourselves out there a little bit um I don't know how much he's actually changed. It's, it's really a case-by-case -case thing. Um, like, I, I did that in 2011 during the season. Like, what did he say? He didn't know. Like, I, I didn't, I, Tuesday's your off day. Yeah, I mean, like, we, when I first got here, we had tests uh, in the off season. I think it was like every Thursday. I always, like, I always had one of the highest grades, so they didn't bother me. I did well. Gronk always what, what, does what stuff. Did you, what did you have tests on? Oh, everything. Like spelling bees? Formations, uh, what motions were, um, what the drawings for the coverages, if he motions it, we had all of that. See, that's why somebody goes 0-16 and somebody... <laughs> no. That's why he's had eight head coaches and I've had one. I'm yeah. always kidding. All that, that just shows that I'm able to adapt. No matter where I go <laughs> or who comes in, they love me. So I can go wherever. What but, happens when Devin McCourty has to leave New England? We don't know. Someone else probably got a winner. He's sitting there on Tuesday with his pencil. Where's my test? <laughs> <laughs> well, I would skip the off-season program. Now, but has he, he hasn't... I don't, I mean, I think there is some things that we do more that is uh, family-based, I think. But I think that comes from, I mean, he's a, a grandfather now. Um, Steve Belichick has a, I think, three-year-old daughter, Blakely. Um, I think he enjoys, like, um, around Christmas time, our set. I forgot if the game was like the day after Christmas, mm -hmm. whatever, around our, our Sunday game around Christmas, that Saturday, we had a huge family day in our indoor uh, where everyone's families came in, kids were running up and down the field, and like you look over at him, and he's smiling ear to ear with his granddaughter, um, because at the end of the day, he's like all of us, like we all love that, you know, for one day, you know, you guys might bring your kids into work, you know, we bring our kids and they're playing with the turf uh, little pellets and all of that nonsense. Um, they're catching, like, I'm watching some of the guys' kids catch passes from Tom Brady. Like, you know how cool that is? These kids are yeah. like eight. He'll still be playing when they're 18. <laughs> and they're like, I caught a pass from this guy. Um, so I just think those moments he truly enjoys more now. 
it's it's interesting when you look at you know just the arc of of his career too. But do you find him to be easily approachable? I mean, when you talk about the, his two favorite players that I've ever heard him you know be effusive about are him and Gerard Mayo. It's bar none. That's it. I mean, Bruce Key to agree. Talking about Devin Pat, aka Pat the Patriot. <laughs> that's, that's what he's called. Why? What did you do to do that? What? 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 I told what? you I did well on all my tests. Is that simple? I mean, uh, I I learned a lot from Mayo. Like I got there and Mayo was running the defense. I remember the first time I got in with the first string defense, um, and I looked at Mayo and I looked at Vince because Vince was like the super scary guy of defense <laughs> that you like. You're like, damn. I don't want to mess up. This guy might sit on me. <laughs> and then you had Mayo who was like talking a mile a minute and he knew everything. So I'm like, damn, like if I'm the one to mess up and they say something, I'll never play again. And I think I kind of grew up in between those two guys. So I think a lot of the things I did was what Bill wanted to see in a player and a leader. Um, and then my second year when I got voted captain, um, and I think I probably got voted captain because I played well the year before. So guys were like, oh, man, like this guy's good. All pro. Like, Second team all pro as a rookie. I didn't, ha- I didn't have any leadership skills. Were you defensive rookie of the year or damn close? Ndamukong Sue was in my draft. Ah, damn close. Never mind. <laughs> I did get... I did get two some votes. I, just, I, did, I did get two out of the 50 yeah, votes. So vote. he only got 48. <laughs> um, I stopped him from being unanimous. Uh, yeah, you voted for me. I appreciate yeah, I did, it. I <laughs> um, and I think because of that, like I, I, I kind of grew up with those guys. In my second year when I was a captain, you're talking about sitting in a room with Matt Slater, uh, Logan Mankins, Tom Brady, Mayo, Vince, and Bill. And I used to sit there and wait for everyone to speak. And then when they would come to me, I'm like, all right. You would just summarize what I summarize what everybody else said. <laughs> and then you fast forward two or three years later, um, both of those guys are gone. And now everyone's looking like, like I'm that guy. And I think from there, I just kind of took that head on. Um, and we've been able to develop a, a, a very good football relationship of being able to be open with them, tell them how I feel. Um, usually doesn't listen, but it, I mean, it is what it is, you know? Dev hasn't shut the hell up in the building since. So. Since that's Mayo, like, that's, that's, re- that's what everybody said. It's amazing. Like, Probably you know, the most likable teammate. We're trying to work in there as media. Believe it or not, we do. There's, there's a case. We only get in there 45 minutes a, a day, five times a week, right? And they avoid the hell out of us. They stay back in the training room. They go to meetings. They scurry you know, through. You know what the media does? We stand so like, there like... And gra- are the locker rooms, and these are the two lockers. They stand like this in the middle of the locker room. Grazing cattle. We do nothing. <laughs> they just stare at everybody. You know why? It's very awkward. You know why? We get Danny Shelton. He's the only one sitting at his chair. No yeah, one's Danny expecting Sh- Danny Shelton. What's wrong with I'm that? I'm sorry. Well, we, I would ask him a question, but he's not interested. You ask him about his dogs, he likes talking dogs. But the interesting thing is... Um, you know, when we descend upon one of these guys and, and have a conversation, um, they're able to really give us nothing. <laughs> which is which it's is a, that's a competitive Bill. disadvantage to tell you guys too much. Now, that's what I wanted to segue to. What was it like being in places where you could say, do, think, act to I, a large I, extent? I always envied the way the Patriots did stuff as far as media. I never could understand 
why a head coach would stand up and be like, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so. He needs to do this better and that better. Because then when you're so-and-so and the media comes talk to you, is it okay for you to say, yeah, well, when coach called that play on third down last week, that play sucked. And we told him the play was going to suck. You can't. So I think the way that everything is handled here, I've always believed in that and took that kind of train of thought on the teams I was on. I, I, we all play, we both played for Greg Shiano at Rutgers. So, I mean, Greg is a little bit of a maniac. Him and Bill are good friends. Like, so that kind of training we both came up under. So I went to Tennessee. Jeff Fisher was a player's coach. 100%. Very laid back. Do what you want kind of coach. So I was telling Dev how great the NFL was. Like when you get here, it's relaxed. You don't got to worry about this, that, and the third. And then he gets drafted by New England. and He's taking tests every week. But <laughs> at the end of the day, he has three Super Bowl rings. So I guess it paid off. Um, but what was it like to watch the success that he was having while you were making money? Making money. There's because... no state tax in, in Tennessee. And... <laughs> He quickly rose, Jason quickly rose to be one of the better cornerbacks in the NFL. And certainly the Patriots and Devin spent a lot of time talking to Bill Belichick trying to, to recruit. I was trying. But it wasn't working because he was too good in Tennessee. But what was it like to be in this small snapshot of time where you know, look, I, I can't do this until I'm 50. It was, it was tough because I kept trying to tell people that I'm better than Dev. I just need <laughs> to get that platform. But uh, you know what? Early on in my career, um, I was just genuinely happy. I didn't care about his team's success because at that point, I first got in, he was a first-round draft pick. I was a six-round draft pick. I was trying to make the team early on. Then I was trying to become a starter. Then once I became a starter, I was just like, all right, how do I get paid in this league? Like, How am I going to be able to make it to a second contract? Because as great as the Super Bowl ring is, which is the ultimate team goal, at the end of the day, if you play 10 years, you walk away with 10 rings, but you didn't really make any money, unless you're willing to sell those rings for a quarter of what you're really worth, it doesn't really mean much. You gotta be able to support your family, and especially when you come from somewhere where you don't come from money. There's so many people that you wanna help. Yep. And I think as I got probably into my fifth, sixth, seventh year around that time, I was just like, damn, I've been to four Super Bowls already and I keep having to watch them. And I think <laughs> at, at that point, you're just like, man, like I wanna, I wanna experience that, I wanna see what it's like. And I remember his Super Bowl where they played uh, in Houston. Um, that, that time I said to my wife, I'm like, I'm about to give the Super Bowl a break. Like, I don't think I'm going out this year. Like, Dev can handle it on his own. And then, like, the week of, I was just like, nah, I got to get down there. I got to make sure he knows that I'm there to support him. And we have a crazy family. So when I go out to the Super Bowl the week with him, I'm able to control the family and keep everything under this wraps. Was, this so. was the hardest Super Bowl. Yeah, no one Because was he there. was in it. Usually, uh, I'm like, Jay, can you handle this? Can you do that? And he's like, yeah, I got you. But like we didn't have anyone to do that with, so I wasn't um, doing anything. Yeah, but you would want you want some type of payment. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even I didn't even require a ticket. So I mean, I was the ultimate <laughs> the ultimate help because I wasn't going to the game. Yeah. Um, when you finally did get to a Super Bowl, though, this is the segue to the clip. When you finally did get to the Super Bowl, oh, you only act like an idiot in the locker room. No, 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 no. There's he so, made there's a, so many clips on this he roller coaster made ride. An incredible play that you guys all remember, that was actually borderline superhuman. It's the pass breakup. You got that queued up? He Bam! He doesn't give me enough credit. The Patriots credit. need to stand up right here. They need to stand Stop up. This play. Tony, Tony Romo. Here it is. Goff steps up. He's going for the big ball. To the end zone! Oh, and it's knocked out of his hands. Cook 
was waiting for it. And it was McCourty, Jason McCourty, who caught up in time. He jogs back. Here's like the he crazy just part. Knows. This is where Patrick Chung, the difference is the communication. It is an unbelievable play by Jason McCourty. He's not supposed to be there. He comes from the opposite side of the field and makes that play. I appreciate play. Tony Romo for that. Everybody and at home. I think if Chung's on there, Whoa, McCourty's he good. What is he doing? They where was he in the first place? Tony Romo's really good, but he said that's where missing Pat Chung really hurts. How many times did you see Pat Chung 30 yards deep? That's a great point. That would have been a Harmon play. Now, what should have happened? One time, this is, there's no cameras. There's nobody's using Twitter. What was supposed to happen? Somebody, watch. Dev should have been there. Yeah. <laughs> He's just an easy target. They won't tell me either, but I have, I'm suspicious. There's something going on that He doesn't give me play. enough credit. I've told, I told people after the game he should have intercepted the ball. Cause no way. I told him. I was supposed to be on my side I told of the field. him on the sideline when they first ran that play, just take off to that spot. The ball's going to be there. You knew that play was coming, so right? It already came. It already came in the first quarter. So you know it wasn't my fault. I really think it was his fault, but he ended up being a hero. But you it, had to stand over there because he was on the right pylon if you're facing. Were you one of the guys after the game who said it was my fault? Because when I went to no, the No, because I went directly to you and asked. When I went to the podium after the game, everybody was like, so you were supposed to be back there. And I said, who the hell said I was supposed to be oh, back no. there? No, no, no. I, I was doing the thing on the blitz because the blitz that led to the pick, I think, was in many ways... The play of the game, obviously. Great and call by Flo. Can yeah, you run was. through Boston that play? College alum. Guys, just don't, is that all right? To, to, uh, Wait, are we repping Boston, Boston Do you guys college? like the X's and O's stuff or no? Yeah. All right. Because are you going to go to the screen and do it? <laughs> do like Kenny Smith. <laughs> um, so listen, there was, the play was, it was 10 to 3 at the time. And the... It was a second down play. The Rams were about the 24, 25, and they sent Cooks down the right side. And you guys, in turn, had seen something that you wanted to run. Can you pick it up from there if you know the details better than me, well, which you probably do? I, I, earlier in the game, um, they got a second and long, and we're on the field, and we're like, here comes whatever the we, name of our blitz. We had are. talked about when we got in that position that we, we were going to blitz them. And we, there was a point earlier in the game where it came to a second and long, and we're in the huddle like, Flo's about to call blitz, such yeah. and such blitz. And he didn't call it. And I remember getting to the sideline, and he was like, my bad, fellas. I, I, I shied away. I should have pulled the trigger. trigger. Quick aside, why would you want to blitz Jared Goff? Why did you feel blitz would work against him and against Patrick Mahomes? <laughs> uh, well, we didn't. We didn't. we didn't. We didn't want to blitz them. Yeah, um, and that was the thing. We had it, blitz it, all throughout the playoffs. We didn't really want to blitz them because they did a good job of splits. So a lot of times they had really condensed splits. They send splits, guys on, splits meaning rims, receivers align really tight to the formation. So they would send guys on cross. So it would be tough to get to our man-to-man matchups. So that we didn't really want to blitz, but we it felt, was the only time we blitzed in that game. Yeah, we felt the there was pit. a. There, we felt there were times where we kind of knew what they were going to do, and that's when we wanted to blitz them. So pick back. So up. we get to the sideline. I think one of the linebackers, probably KV, like says something to Flo, like, "Why you didn't call a blitz? Like, don't be a punk almost." In, in a sense of that. Type. <laughs> if you ever get to see Kyle Van Noy, he's the biggest complainer you'll ever be around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. The next time it came up, when the play comes up, we're in the huddle, and probably all 11 defenders in the huddle at that point know, all right, here, come, here comes the max blitz. And we all, we, 
kind of from the second half of the season on, we talked about, hey, when we're sending the house as defensive backs, just keep your eyes on the quarterback. And uh, Stephon Gilmore, a.k.a. Gilly Lockdown, how he did all season, um, came up big making play after play for us in the secondary. Because if you watch that, like, Cooks could have ran any route he wanted. Steph is looking right at golf. Like, I know you're either going to take a sack or you got to lob this ball up. Well, what was interesting on the, on the play, too, was there were so many things that had to happen on the blitz in terms of, I think, you were coming or Durant. Yeah, Durant they, was they, the one who brought they the got Dev, They got Dev out the club. But, he, but, he Dev, close. but, Dev but had I was to, a sacrificial lane. He had to stay lane. wide. He had to stay wide to create the lane, right? I had to just make sure the running back blocked me, and I went inside the running back so the lane would open up for Durant. And he actually tripped. So yeah, Durant And did, did Hightower trip. have to stay wide? Somebody did have to stay wide. I don't remember. It was really A cool. lot of our blitzes are just it dots. Was, and each and like why we're hard to defend is we'll make anybody those dots. Yeah. So like I blitz through the A gap on that. Probably not our best thing. We we'll want to send a little guy through the A gap. But That's like another play, it could be the same blitz call, but it could be high tower through the A gap, or it could be Trey standing up and Trey coming through the A gap. So that's what made it very hard for teams to kind of get a beat on what we were doing. How bad are you gonna miss Trey? How bad are you gonna miss? Anybody else on defense? How bad are we going to miss Malcolm, Dion? I mean, as Bill would say, it's the National Football League. Every team has changes. <laughs> We're no different. Coaches, players, they all switch teams. <laughs> that was pretty good. It's all a bunch of hot air. All right. Hey, we got Q&A on here. Do we want to run? Do we have to run that last? Uh, clip? Do you want to run? Good, is it a good clip? What's the clip? It's you, yeah. Can we run the clip because it's you guys celebrating? just want to cut our clips. You have to introduce One more. us. There's a little lunch. Yeah, man, you try to cut my daughter. I'm oh, sorry. Jason, so I know a lot of people probably don't know who's who. I'm Jason. This is my youngest daughter, Kai. The other two are playing in the confetti, so. Unbelievable. So, Jason, I interviewed your brother, Devin, earlier this season. and we Y'all took... didn't invite me? No, you weren't invited. Okay. Um, he said once you grab a ring, you can get invited. So, okay. congratulations. Okay. Now you yeah. got yourself a ring. But, Devin, remember when you told me how special it would be to share this moment with your brother? This moment is happening. Can you describe it? Oh, it's unbelievable. Um, Where's mom? I think, I think she's right over there. She's right over there. I just think uh, his career summed up this season. You know, he's been working his butt off, always puts in the work. I've always admired how hard he's worked, no matter what the team does, no matter what anyone else does. And that's what this year was, man. We struggled at points. We did well at points. And I thought this game, you know, 13-3, um, a way that we're not supposed to be able to win, we come out and win the biggest game of the year that way. You guys dominate. I just had to ask a question about how we were going to do stuff here closer to the end. I figured it out now, so it's going to... Oh, I mean, whatever you need to do. We're just here on your dime, buddy. Uh, so now what happens? You're running the show. No, 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 no. I mean, like, with the team. With You're 11 team, and 5. Life, you won like, the Super Bowl. Where you go from here? Oh. You know, so much dysfunction, all that dysfunction. Well, How much so dysfunction you got? Do tomorrow's, you dysfunction? tomorrow's a day off, and Thursday's the worst day of the off-season program. We do this thing called bout runs, oh. and you run for either two minutes or three minutes just back and forth, goal line to goal line. Everyone hates it. So I'm not sure I'm going to go on Thursday. <laughs> now, Which wait a means minute. he'll be there. But Mayo told me last year that he's a coach now, though, so we don't really. But you don't have options on which days you can go. You're either in or you're it's out. It's all optional. Bill. 
It's not optional. Yeah, but I thought, okay, because when we talked about this last year and Tom Brady didn't go and it was a big poop storm, and we had a conversation <laughs> about it, and Mayo's like, Bill says, look, with the OTAs, you're either in or you're out. We don't want you to come the first one in the year there on Monday and Wednesday, and then Thursday you're not there, and then maybe you'll show up at the next one. Is that accurate or no? You should ask Coach Mayo that now and see how he answers. <laughs> how that's, big it- that's accurate. Thank you. See, evasive. Um, <laughs> you, I'm better at it than him. I know you are. Um, but how will this team be? Do you pay any attention at all to the draft picks and selections made, even if they're not at safety? Well, you got like you experts and stuff said like we had a really good. Yeah, draft. I gave out all the grades. You I see it, but I just don't watch college football, so I just have no idea. Like now we're out, and people are like, what do you think about the draft? And I'm just like. Everybody says it's awesome, but I have no idea who any of the guys are. They have so. pretty good highlights, though. So They do have good highlights. Yeah. There's an interesting thing that I'm going to write about this week because I think it's a misnomer. It's the idea of mentoring. <laughs> the idea that a player comes into a team and all of a sudden the guy above him is going to go, hey, what do you need to know? Can I help you with any of these routes? Or can I? That really doesn't happen that depends upon the guys in your team so like when i was in tennessee i had some really good dbs ahead of me that when i got there they took me under their wing showed me the way so that's kind of been built into me the same way dev just described mayo how he described vince and then i know for him he had different guys in the back end like Merriweather, James Sanders. But I know I know different teammates that I've had that have started their careers elsewhere and literally got to a team, a cornerback, and the starting cornerback said, Don't ask me shit. I'm not <laughs> here to help you. Leave me alone. You're here to take my spot. Why would I ever help you? Like, good luck. So it just depends upon usually the good teams they mentor, the bad teams you're just trying to hold on. It was funny because the reason I asked that is because, you know, Edelman I, Wrote the book with him a couple of years ago. Roman was a terrific book. And um, go get your copy. He said that he, uh, you know, first year he was there, he's like there with the pencil. No, he was there a year before you, but he was yeah. annoying, uh, according to Edelman himself. He said, I was just an annoying kid. I would sit there in the meetings and I'd take all these notes and I'd ask all these questions. And Welker would look at him like, oh, this kid's killing me with the questions all, every three minutes. And Edelman relates that once they were in a, a line to do a drill, and Edelman goes, so what are we supposed to do here? And Wilco goes, listen to the fucking coach. <laughs> well, so, that is real. I've got, on, I've got on rookies for asking too many questions, too. But, I mean, sometimes you get some guys that are just nervous. And if you've ever been around Jules, I know the, the superstar Jules now is a little different <laughs> than the old Jules. Um, but we had another guy who's like one of my closest friends, Tavon Wilson, who used to, like, the coach would say something, and he would ask the question that the coach just said. And I'd be like, bro, <laughs> stop. I'm like, he just said we need to get 2 by 17 off the hash. He went, hey, coach, uh, so we 15 yards deep or 17 yards deep? I'm like, he just said. So, but that doesn't mean, because I know, like, I've heard Jules say how much Randy Moss taught him when he got here, just so, like, the small nuances of playing a receiver that he just didn't have from playing quarterback. And when so, you're young, if you just shut up and watch the older guys and just listen, you'll learn a ton. You don't always have to ask a question, but if you come in here and a guy like Devin McCord, if you just watch the way he works, watch the way he conducts himself, pay attention to what he does to keep his body right, and just follow along, you'll be all right. We got the Q&A coming up in two seconds, but I do want to ask you this, just about the team and going forward and the culture of the team and the personality of the team. 
How much will you guys miss Rob Gronkowski as, as an individual? Not as a player. We're, we're clear on how good he is. But just who he was and how he was. Oh, you'll definitely miss him. I think, for one, he's part of a team for nine years. Um, you grow with that team. I mean, he came in, the guy that everyone laughed, everything he did was funny, and then he became a captain, and he still was able to keep that same demeanor of a good time, keeping the locker room always on his toes, squad meeting, keeping Bill on his toes, answering questions with dumb remarks that Bill would even laugh at. Um, so I think you get used to having that type of guy around there. Um, and it's, it's going to be a different type of uh, a team without him that you have to adapt. Um, but that's a part of losing, I think, great players slash personalities uh, that are around the organization for a long time. Good deal. We have that Q&A portion coming up. I'll throw it over to Andrew. We do. Thank you. And the audience Q&A is bought, brought to you by the Boston College Club again. Uh, the question was from Stephen Scanlon, Jason, and Devin. Post-career aspirations, what are you going to do? Is it going to be a joint business venture right off into the sunset? What's happening after you guys hang them up? Uh, it'll definitely um, have a part of riding off into the sunset, um, a beach somewhere at some point um, for sure. Um, but I think uh, one thing we definitely want to continue to do is our charity work. We've talked about um, having our own foundation, continuing to do those things. Um, something that we've been working on lately, we did a podcast last year um, in Dev's basement throughout the season uh, every week just uh, talking about the season, talking about being fathers, everything that goes in. Uh, it's called to Double Coverage with McCordy Twins if you want to check it out. iTunes and YouTube. Yeah. There you go. And, um, and, All your podcasting apps. Yeah, and part of that is just us looking for the future of possibly being analysts, possibly being radio people. Um, and I think beyond that, we both talked about um, possibly coaching at a high school level. And uh, the reality is you've been doing the same thing for so long that um, when we retire, we've both been fortunate enough to have made enough money to say, hey, let's sit back for a little while. Let's try some things and let's figure it out exactly where our passion is and what exactly we want to do. I'm coming from Curran's job. That's fine. That's fine. I'm on the back nine. I am absolutely on the back nine. Thanks for listening to the Thuzio Live and Unfiltered podcast with our guests, Jason and Devin McCourty. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like more information on how you can attend our live events or book our new virtual ones, visit www.thuzio.com. That's T-H-U-Z-I-O.com. And be sure to follow us on social media at Thuzio.